Hello again. Welcome to episode two of The Pictures. This time we'll be discussing the impact and glory of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a subject that we're all extremely passionate about here. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Josh. How are we, Josh? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. How's the uh, how's the sunburn? Uh, it's quite bad, actually. Um, I'm starting to get a little worried about it. My my uh, my right arm is extremely pink. Ooh. But I do now have after sun in my possession, and I am applying it very regularly. I think I've caught a bit today. To be fair, gone a bit red. So also returning for this edition, we have James. How's there been? Warm. <laughs> warm. <laughs> it's very warm. You've always tanned quite easily, James. Yeah, yeah. I've caught the sun. Uh, I've been out in it for twenty minutes today, and I'm uh, pretty brown. Do you still use the um, the oil? Yeah, yeah. Nothing <laughs> else. Just carrot oil. So twenty minutes is a, is about the right amount of time, isn't it, for us uh, for us introverts? Yeah. How long does it take for you to sit there and then and then message somebody saying, "Fucking hell, it's warm." <laughs> <laughs> about thirty seconds. Yeah, instantly. Well, completing the team for this edition, we're joined by a guy who knows all too well what it's like to be embarrassed with a half face tan. It's our good friend Matty. Say hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Nice to have you. So, fittingly, um, it was actually us four, I think, one it, who we went to see the Avengers for the first time at the cinema. Oh, yeah. Um, so it kind of makes sense that we're all here to discuss it all. Gone full circle. It has. It was an awful long time ago, that wasn't it now? 2012. Mm. Eight years. Does anybody past. still have the uh, the key rings? <laughs> no. <laughs> Mine fell apart from being in my pocket. Do you know what? I did have it on my keys for, for absolutely ages, but I've lost it now. Basically, when we went to see it, we all picked a different character, like children. Got, got ourselves an ice blast with a free little gift. I got Thor. <laughs> James, you got Captain. Yeah, Matty got Iron Man. Yeah. And obviously Josh got I, Hulk. I, I got Hulk, yeah. You're a big lad. Because you're a big lad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, but I'll take the Hulk. He's a solid character. So to kick off this discussion, um, I think it'd be cool to start on the impact that it's had on nerd culture in general. Evidently, it's been massive. Um but to start with, it's probably fair to say that going back, I think, when, when we were at school, before the MCU really took off, I don't remember it ever being cool to be a fan of superheroes. And if you were, you were a kid, and obviously that's fine, but there's obviously, like, I think there's a certain age that you get to where you almost got ridiculed for still liking it, whereas I don't think that's the case so much now. Yeah, I mean, I, I never actually really read that many comic books as a kid anyway. Um, it was only up until, like, watching the MCU films that, I really got invested into it. Mm. I do know what you mean in that it, a few years ago, or even maybe before uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we, it was kind of ridiculed. I mean, look at us now. We're all in our mid to late 20s and we're about to talk about men and women dressing up in uh, colourful costumes and <laughs> fighting each other with magic powers and laser beams. Just sounds like gay pride. <laughs> And, and it's come- <laughs> um, and yeah, I just think that that's that's become more the, the because these films have done so well. It's that's become more like more common across our age group, I guess. Well, I think they they appeal to like so many different like demographics. So these films 
from from children all the way up to you know adults. This is literally something in it for everyone. Well, that's it. It's now been more accepted. I mean, those nerds have always been around watching it, but now it's just become slightly more acceptable to be a nerd. And yeah. Yeah, there's there's more people like a mainstream audience watching these films and enjoying them, but we're still sat at the back of the cinema talking about characters and how they've developed and what they were like in the comics. We're still here. It's more acceptable to be in a swimming pool in the corner of the pool pretending you're Spider-Man. <laughs> Even if you're 28 years old. I saw that meme. <laughs> I remember doing it as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, even like personally, I know you might hate me for saying this, but it did take me a little, a little time to come around to uh, these films. Because I remember when Iron Man first came out and we were used to a Spider-Man reboot every, every couple of years. And I just thought, Oh, here we go again. Like another cash in, like they know that they've got a dedicated and sort of ready-made fan base that they can just tap into and they're going to get, a load of money for doing very little so it took me a little while for, for me to think uh you know what i'm going to give these films a chance and uh i'm glad i did you're half right really with like iron man it w- they were just kind of testing it to see what they were doing they were and they weren't from what i've seen they created iron man with the 10 year or so plan in mind they just hadn't fleshed it all out hmm and it exceeded expectations in the box office. And I think that kind of gave them the green light to say, okay, we'll unleash this beast of the 10-year plan. Yeah, and then each film, they just grew exponentially in popularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about this the other, uh, the other day, Jord, whether um, we think that they had, how how fleshed out was their plan like at the very beginning? Like, were they purposely dropping hints for future movies like from from day one? And or it is it something that they just built up and contributed to as they it, knew they were going to make more? It makes you wonder whether they, they got so far as the Avengers and anything further. Because, I mean, especially with the introduction of Spider-Man, they didn't have the rights at all then so that you, you wouldn't know whether they was going to be involved or not. So that, that can't have been pre-planned. That must have been mm. in the middle of it all. But I think, yeah, like the MCU, like with it being in the right hands... I don't know if the films being so good has anything to do with people responding to them better because obviously there were strong Marvel films before that weren't MCU, but there weren't as many. I mean, there's some garbage ones, obviously, like Ghost Rider. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but every entry in the MCU has been good. Um, oof, I suppose Hulk is a bit, that's actually arguable. Hulk's decent. It's not, is it? <laughs> it's Absolute garbage compared to the rest. It's still a good film, though, isn't it? Yeah, but I'd no, be surprised yeah. if anyone ranks it as the favourite alongside the likes of the recent I'm, I'm not saying that, but it's not a bad film. It's not a great film, though. <laughs> good, bad, great. We're just going to spend an hour here <laughs> the Hulk now. <laughs> the, but I think the film, they quickly became like, I mean, it, started, it, it was a hard sell at the beginning. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, right, everyone come and see this Iron Man film that we're doing. Um, they don't have... A, they don't have that good a track record of i don't know rebooting franchises and i know that it was the first of its kind but Mm. i think as they got going and they started to make films that sort of stood in their own right they became more than just like a fan service or and then they became just good films by themselves and i think that's what started to bring people around didn't it yeah well, there's that, and there's that much material for them as well. You know, you look at how many comics have been written for each character and how they intertwine, as well as 
when we were growing up in the 90s, yes, we, we're now that old, um, <laughs> you know, they had the Iron Man, uh, the Spider-Man um, cartoons. They had the Fantastic Four cartoons. And they linked them all together, you know, albeit they wanted to sell more toys. That was the reason they did it. It was a deal with Hasbro, I think. But they linked all, like, the Spider-Man, Iron Man, etc. They, they linked them all together. They even brought in Captain America for a few episodes. That does... Then when you're saying that, it does actually beg the question as to whether the MCU and what they've done has been the most ambitious thing done in film. Because there are so many different like companies that have looked at the MCU and gone, right, they've created a connected universe in film. We're going to do that. So like, obviously, the DC Extended Universe have failed for the most part. Even the there was like Godzilla and Kong Skull Island, they're trying to create like a, a universe of monsters in film. Kong Skull Island is a strong film. <laughs> worst film I've ever seen. I, I, I've ever seen. Do you know what? At the cinema, I, I've, I've given every film I've ever been to see at the cinema, I've given a chance and I've always stayed till the end. That is the only one that I've felt I don't want, I don't care how this film ends. I don't, I've given up on it. It's <laughs> dreadful, dreadful. It's all over the place, totally. It's abysmal. Um, but going back to what you were saying, George, I think Black Panther for me is like where it became more than just a superhero film and started to really, I don't know, it just really demonstrated how much these films had like got into the mainstream and really started to um, appeal to everyone because Black, Black Panther was sort of a, a vehicle to deliver really important messages about race and humanity and it just became so important and uh, a lesson to the industry, really. And it's and it's used as a a great example of uh, you know films with 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 minorities and celebrating ce- celebrating um, different cultures around the world, isn't it? And I think that's where we realise that these films are more than just a nerdy comic book caped crusader films. Definitely, and you look at a lot of them, and you can see that. I mean, even if you take away the superhero element. You look at, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a sci-fi adventure. You look at Captain America, it's a spy thriller action film. If you take away that subset of or what is now its own genre of superhero, they are standalone films in the right, you know, for the origin ones, and they come across with, you know, deep messages. If you take apart Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, the first one's about his relationship with his mother, the second one, the relationship with his dad, you know. There's there's more to them if you if you really want to take them apart. Oh yeah, because a lot of the time it is just the after credit scenes that would link it to the rest of it. You might get cameos or like yeah little nods inside the film, but but yeah, to stand alone a lot of them. Some important cameos like Howard the Duck. The the most important cameo in <laughs> every one of those Marvel films. Going back to saying whether it is the most ambitious done in film, there is a big argument for it in that they like you were saying, Matt. I mean. With Iron Man especially, they're not using hot property characters. They were literally using, like, to a lot of the general public, the B-list. Yeah, I mean, John Favreau took a massive risk taking on Downey Jr. You know, he, mm. he was in bad press at the time, and uh, that in itself, just casting him, was ambitious. And it just kind of all fell into place, didn't it? Gladly it did. Yeah, mate. Can you, can you imagine anyone else playing Iron Man? Like, Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Well, yeah, he's got the he's got the checkered past, hasn't he? Like the character does. That's that's what plays into it, I think, as well. I've um, got a bit of a 
No, not really. I don't really disagree with you, but I, I just thought if you're, if you're using like the word ambitious, I think like you're looking for, um, I don't know, innovation or something completely new or never been done before. And I, and I completely see that a universe of 23 films all connected, it hasn't really been done on this scale before. So with that point, I agree that it is very ambitious. But I think like they do the what I like about them is they just do this, the simple stuff just so well, the, the script writing, the editing, casting costumes, the, the effects, the branding and marketing, the music, like it's all kind of standard techniques and standard stuff, but it's just done to such a good standard. So that's where I don't know, maybe you word ambitious. Maybe I might disagree with that because I just think it's a lot of really, really, good filmmaking done really really well is that not just disney though like D- disney do that so impeccably well with everything they release <coughs> i was <laughs> <laughs> yeah well in terms of like uh, in terms of production value it's like top class that is that is if it, I, I know what you mean about whether it is ambitious or not but to say films like standalone films can be ambitious, but what they've created with this universe, the only sort of franchise that could come close would be Star Wars. Mm. But mainly because Star Wars sort of started from scratch. It had characters that nobody knew about, released it at a time when nobody really gave a shit about sci-fi. And then, and it's from then that these new characters and fandoms been generated and all these like side stories and spin-offs. Whereas Marvel did have a very like vast collection of source material to work from. So it, with, with it being in the right hands, they can tell the stories well because the team that are working on them, they care. Whereas obviously with films like, not Spider-Man 1 and 2, they're beautiful, but like Ghost Rider and some of the other Marvel ones before the MCU, you get the impression that some of the directors just wanted to just make a film rather than make a good film. Ghost, Ghost Rider was, oh, it just offended me in every single way. Poor <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick Cage, he tried. He, he always just tries, tries though, just, doesn't he? He just signed a lot of deals because he was in a lot of debt. Yeah, but not, not for Ghost Rider. I think he actually looked at that and went, oh, I could play that character well. That worked a paycheck to him. He cared. Well, he, he loves these damaged characters and he wants to portray them in a strange way. That's that's his thing. But I don't know. As an actor, I've fallen out of favour for him. <laughs> I think um, going back to what you said about it being in the right hands, Jord, like uh, that's what I think the most sort of ambitious thing or maybe the most commendable thing about it is that um, across the 23 films, you've you've got to manage so many, all, all these actors, they're all on different salaries. They've all got a different amount of screen time and lines. There's so many producers, directors, and an executive producer involved and all tied together and you've got to keep all these people happy yeah think of all the egos absolutely because you feed all those egos and keep them all happy yeah give them the right amount of time on screen focus on them all equally at the same time not only they're producing those films but there's also the the disney plus series as well that also feeds in because that was saying earlier um agents of shield feeds into some of the films so you got to keep everyone on that like happy as well and uh, just because we've seen so many superhero films, like when when you see producers or I don't know executive producers get involved and say, "Oh, this film needs more villains," or suggestions like that, that end end up sort of 
like ruining the film almost. Spider Man Three, Spider Man Three, Spider Man Three. That, that's, that's, it is a prime example, and uh, the Fantastic Four film. I read about how the the industry got in, got involved with that and turned it into something that the director didn't want it to be. Um, but as far as we know, I mean, apart from the um, Edward Norton thing, they seem to keep it quite peaceful and. Uh, there were no real quarrels. They just seemed to get on with it and all be pulling towards the same. They all have the same goal. End game. The end game. <laughs> oh, well, um, interestingly enough, you even watch interviews with Downey Jr. and you know when the Russo brothers, uh, you know, talked about or anything, you know, he kind of goes and takes a step back and says, you know, they are in charge. Even with his ego, he, he takes a step back and says, look, you know, whatever these guys say, you, you don't mess with because they're not in charge of just the one film that you're doing you've got, you know, the rest of the films that you're potentially going to be involved in in, in somewhere. Yeah. I mean, like the Russo Rubs as well, especially with the the Avengers films, they literally had to handle characters that were kind of created through other actors and other directors. Or, you know, I mean, they worked on those characters together, so to step in and overlook all that. Obviously, like Favreau and James Gunn, they were all executive producers, <laughs> weren't they? But it's, it'll have been the Russo Rubs with the final word. I think the other thing that they managed beautifully is um we know how strongly fans feel and get involved um with films and the decisions that are made and they seem to manage that like perfectly as well you know they had the right amount of cameos or easter eggs or whatever so they managed to keep the diehards happy um and not um piss them off too much as well which is a an achievement in itself you only have to look at sonic and how fans can backlash i mean that was a horrific design but <laughs> Oh, terrifying. I didn't mind that film actually when I watched it. It was decent. Yeah, it was it was actually entertaining. Cheesy, but it's a kid's film, isn't it? I do need to see it. Going back to the um the point of it being the most ambitious, is anybody outright agreeing that it is or the only the only thing I can think that compares and we mentioned it already is the Star Wars saga, just the the size of it. You look at any other franchise that's tried to go as long as you know, um, the MCU, what have you got? Fast and Furious and the 25 movies they're made or making. <laughs> they've got quite stale pretty quickly because it's the same formula, whereas MCU have managed to keep it quite fresh each time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, um, Disney and, and, and Marvel, they knew what they were doing. Um, I think ambitious, possibly. The most ambitious, definitely not. They, they, they knew what the reaction was going to be after the first few films. Because you've got to think as well, though, for for the MCU, Marvel Studios with Iron Man, that was their first film. So it wasn't like a production company was, you know. But they'd already planned, planned it all because they brought in Nick Cage. Not Nick Cage. They brought in Sam Jackson <laughs> and didn't even reveal him. Nick Cage would have been a very different theory. <laughs> very different. But no, in, in terms of the fact that Marvel Studios made it, and had it been a flop, would we have got everything else? If they were, if these films were failing, we might never, you know, never have got to the Avengers R, which makes makes it very, very ambitious. I think it's just, it's just executed so well, isn't it? Really, yeah. They just smashed it. It's like I think we, we've all pretty much gone back now. They're, they're all on Disney Plus, aren't they? We've rewatched them, but you, you do forget certain moments and like how good some of the films actually are until you go back and relive them again oh i'm still on my way back through them uh i think i just got to avengers 
Have you all, fi- have you all you've all rewatched them and finished them, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I did it a few weeks ago. I watch them in strange orders. Um, just casually look along Disney Plus and go, oh, I'll watch Iron Man this week and then and next few days I'll just throw up you know, Doctor That's Strange. That's barbaric. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you done that? Because I like some more than others. I um, thought long and hard about the order in which to watch them and I, uh, on Reddit I found uh, someone had put them in like perfect chronological order. So I think it's that's the order I watched them in. Captain America first, and and then Captain Marvel. and then Captain Marvel, and Marvel, yeah. Which is which was brilliant because they were made so far apart, but they still flow, which is insane. It's cool by the time that you get to the Guardians as well that you already know about Kree and stuff, and it's those little nods because you're already familiar with the universe after Captain Marvel and stuff. But yeah, there are some very strong entries. Um, I don't know; it's probably difficult to choose. Um, but to choose the strongest film excluding Avengers films, what, what are we saying? Civil War. I've, I feel I feel like we've switched here, James, because I, I was I was literally thinking, right, Civil War is like probably my favourite. But then Winter Soldier. Oh. Well, that's it. I've gone for Winter Soldier. I've yeah. gone for Winter Soldier. Damn. They're both just like <laughs> equally as good. <laughs> Matty, who have you picked? What have you picked? You see, I'm I'm torn. I'm torn between totally separate to everyone else. I really like the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and and for free, but I really enjoy yeah. <clears throat> Taika Waititi's work. His That's humor just part of the reason I'm leaning towards for free. I've I've said to you guys, and I like I, I I think there's only ever been three sort of game changers in the MCU, like ones that have broken the mold or. And like for me, that was obviously the first Iron Man because that was probably the most ambitious out of them all. To me, anyway. Um, Winter Soldier, because it basically took the superhero genre that people are familiar with, and like you said earlier, Matt, it's a spy thriller. You can separate that film yeah. from, from the superhero world and you can still enjoy it. It's just like an interesting and well-made film. And then Guardians, because that was so left field. Nobody knew who those characters were at all. I, you'd never heard of them, and it was done so well. When I went in and watched it, I had absolutely no idea what to expect with Guardians at all. All I knew was of Rocket Raccoon, and even <laughs> it was quite funny. I went to go watch it, and uh, I was initially going by myself before my girlfriend decided, "I'm not letting you do that. It's socially unacceptable. I'll come with you to watch it." I was that dead set on watching it the day after it came out. And just fell in love with it. Soundtrack as well. James Gordon apparently puts in just as much thought to the soundtrack as he does to the rest mm. of the direct, you know, direct. It's such a massive part film. of the film, though, isn't it? The music. It actually is. I think out of all of them, that film needs the music for it to work as well as it does. Yeah, definitely. Like even just like in Endgame, uh, it is an Endgame, yeah. When um, War Machine and Nebula go back and you see Peter Quill again doing the dance, <laughs> but like it's that song that makes it, and you're, there, you're dancing <laughs> along with it, like. And it's like you hear that certain music and you know that it's Guardians, Guardians are coming. coming up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah Infinity um, War and oh, can't remember, Rubber Band Man, that's playing, isn't it? Yeah, just Rubber Band Man there. comes on and as soon as you hear that sort of that rabble, you go, oh, <laughs> what, are they, what are they up to? <laughs> For me, I thought the, uh, the timing of, um, well, because the Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy were next to each other, weren't they, in the, um, when they were released? Mm. And they came after... The Dark World and Iron Man Three, which are arguably two of the the weakest. Yeah. 
So I agree it, with that. Just, Will. just at the point where, <laughs> just at the point where you thought, "Oh, is this getting a bit stale?" Then they brought out the Winter Soldier and Guardians, which is just the most perfect back-to-back way of mm. sort of breathing new life into it. I remember being in the cinema watching Winter Soldier though, and just thinking, like, I didn't know Cap could be a badass. And you watch it and you think, oh, this guy's fucking awesome. Like, he's my new favourite Avenger now. Like, yeah, he was always my favourite. <laughs> what I found interesting, though, is you watch Winter Soldier and the way they kind of leave it, you know, that entire S.H.I.E.L.D. universe is on fire and, you know, it's, Hydra's pretty much, you know, ruined it. Kind of makes me think a little bit of um, Endgame as well, where they left you on that edge of your seat and thinking, what's mm. going to actually happen next here? And then instead of telling you, they release another film that's not entirely linked to it. Just to tease you. But yeah, Josh, um, you're on the same wavelength for me then by saying Winter Soldier. What what to you separates it from everything? Um, I think you nailed it in saying that. Uh, So I I was thinking about this and then I thought about, um, it it made me think about The Dark Knight and obviously everyone thinks that that's, the best superhero movie of all time. It is. Why do we think that is? Because if you remove if you remove the superheroes or their attachment to the superhero universe from it, it's still like an outstanding movie. And I think you can apply that to the Winter Soldier as well. If it wasn't tied into um, the Marvel universe, if it was just people, <laughs> I'd still I'd still enjoy the film just as much. Um, the the fact that it's a Marvel film is just like the icing of the cake, really. I do think as well with Winter Soldier that it's probably one of the most enjoyable stories. Obviously, the whole Bucky storyline is interesting, but even just the Hydra thing, like they're two great sort of villains. Yeah, and they, they struggled with villains for a bit at the beginning, didn't they? In making them, I don't know, scary enough or engaging enough or, 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 or something. They struggled at the beginning, and then with that one, it was just so well done, wasn't it? And then, obviously, the twist. It's like what, by James, you saying Civil War, like, I think that's what half makes Winter Soldier so good because they're not truly enemies. And when you, I've always liked, even, like, growing up with, like, wrestling, the Hardy Boys, when they'd fight each other, that was the coolest thing because it was, like, you just, the, the stakes almost feel higher. Like, yeah. when, that's what I love so much about Civil War. Like. I mean, you also look into, like, the, uh, the like Cap's character, you see that most in Civil War, where if he thinks something's right, because his only purpose is to do what's right. Mm. No matter who goes up against him, he'll fight you. <laughs> and it just shows, like, he just represents that kind of, I don't know, I just, I just love it that he'll, he'll fight his mates. <laughs> no? I'm right, you're wrong. Fuck he you. He don't, like, don't like bullies, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it says. But he's so diplomatic about it as well. He's beating the shit out of you, but he's diplomatic about it. Yeah, it just it just tells you, right, uh, listen, um, this is what I'm going to do. Um, this is why I'm going to do it. Either come with me or I'll, uh, I'll bat you. Let's face it. <laughs> we all want to be friends with Cap. Right? If you could be mates with any of them. Nah, it'd be Cap. fucking boring, man. Come on. He can't even get paid. He's too much of a goody two-shoes, isn't he? <laughs> hey. I'd, I'd I'd want him to have my back in in a barber roll. If you if you were on a night out, you'd probably want like Peter Quill with his dancing, <laughs> Downey Junior like pre Iron Man three. So just Iron Man one and two before he has to take things seriously. Could you imagine if they did like a sitcom version of Avengers Tower 
It's like like two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. I would, I would love to see that. We almost got it, though, didn't we? He's got vision walk, not even walking into a room. He's walking through the room and just disturbing things. Here's the Ultron with, with Ultron. Ultron, we see, um, mm. you do get a snippet of that. That's probably the best scene in that whole film. Yeah. When Cap goes to uh, lift the hammer and just like <laughs> ah, nothing. shakes a little bit. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I really love the uh, the fight scenes in the Winter Soldier as well. By the way, um, they're just they're just beautiful, and uh, that elevator scene especially it's just yeah, it's so good. It's it's one of the most memorable ones out of all the films for me. Before we get started, anybody want to get out? <laughs> just how well thought about it is because they bring that back, don't they, with Endgame, and he just leans in and says, "Hail Hydra." Yeah, and it's. Just like, <laughs> That set off so many internet rumours about Cap being Hydra as well. Well, if you go into like the comics, there is like a mm. version of Cap who who is Hydra. He's a Hydra agent. Yeah, I almost thought, James, I did almost pick Civil War. But maybe, I'm very maybe, surprised maybe, you didn't, to be honest. It's mainly for the... I mean, the whole film itself, I do like the idea of like friends being pitted against each other and stuff, but the airport scene is just somewhere else. Like... Everything about that scene. Not only that, you get the introduction of Spider-Man, which still annoys me. The fact that they advertise the fact that Spider-Man was in it. Because just imagine being sat in that cinema watching that film, and it and it, and it cuts to New York, and you just see the yeah. kid with the backpack. And you're just like, "Fucking Spider-Man!" You get giddy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> they, they missed a trick. They missed a trick, didn't they? But yeah. I mean, that's Disney for you, isn't it? See, I, I still love and hate that fight scene at the airport. I love it because it's brilliant, but I hate it because it's like watching my friends fight. I, I, I don't want any of them to get hurt. And then when War Machine just gets shot down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, you say oh. that. I mean, Vision annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> Vision's just the right annoying C word, isn't he? He's not. I'm going to say it now. He's an annoying cunt. Character? He <laughs> <laughs> was only born yesterday. Yeah, well, <laughs> funny guy. I, I, t- I mean, I, I know what you mean, James. Like when he was uh, snuffing it. Yeah, I didn't, I, it's like I didn't when, care when he was much. like um, protecting uh, him, Scarlet Witch from herself. It's like just let her leave, dickhead. <laughs> wow. Um. Well, yeah, there's obviously very strong entries. We excluded the Avengers ones there, but I think we can probably agree. I mean, do we agree that Infinity War and Endgame are the best of the Avengers? Or do we, does, does the first one come into it? I mean, the first Avengers, come on. I know, but just... We, I, in- I got goosebumps, and I still kind of get goosebumps when they do, like, when they pan around them. Yeah. And that music... Yeah. And you first see right. um, Iron Man use Cap's shield to deflect his. Uh... Oh <laughs> God! Come on, class. The level, the bar has been set, though, hasn't it? The, the bar for chills has been set now. Yeah. It, it's a bit sentimental, isn't it? Because that was the first one, and that was yeah the first time we saw them all together. It's I don't know. I just feel really sentimental about it, and it's hard to it's hard to dismiss it in in an argument like this. Yeah, because it was just it was just perfect wasn't it yeah i would i would still say that it 
it's Infinity War and Endgame are the two strongest. It's close, yeah. but they are. I would say it's up there with nostalgia, but come, what, 10 years and you're going to watch it, it's going to be like watching, you know, Star Wars where the Empire's attacking Hoth. It's it's great, but it doesn't look quite right anymore. Well, even now you look at Cap's costume and you think, Jesus. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit camp, that, isn't it? So if you were to pick, if you were to pit them against each other, Infinity War and Endgame, which is the strongest? Oh, there's so many things to consider. Though. I mean, Infinity War, that hits you right in the feels. But yeah. then, Endgame, there's so, that end battle, there's no other scene that compares to that. I think my, yeah, I think my main point for it is, I, I would say that Infinity War is stronger. And it's close, it is close. But the, what Endgame has going for it, like you said, is that end scene, that end sequence. That's every comic book yeah. fan's dream seeing all of those heroes on screen. And when that camera's panning and the music's building, and it's just like, Avengers! Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, and when Cat's but, standing alone. But he was stood there alone, and he, he, was, he was more <laughs> than ready just to go up, go up and like, do it alone. He just do not care. He's like, I'll fight till the death, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that little in joke where you got Falcon just. Him on your left, exactly. All the yeah. little, yeah, all the throwbacks. The throwbacks were so good in that film, so good. And what I like about it, it gave you closure on almost all the character story arcs as well. Mm. Oh, it creates a lot of questions as well. You know, like what happened to Thor's hammer and the Gamora is still sort of because you don't know whether she does. Well, we don't know, do we? Mm. Whether she's disappeared again and. I know the the end scene you can't you can't top that, but I think that Infinity War is uh, quite a lot better, to be honest. Quite a lot. Yeah, um, I think that the the pacing's better in, in Infinity War. I think Endgame takes absolutely ages to get to like really get going, whereas Infinity War is like straight away bang 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 bang. It's it's like really slick. But Endgame um, has a lot of questions to answer before it gets going. Well. That's the thing in it. Endgame is like it's it's more serving a purpose rather than I don't know, and it, and and it does that well. But it had to do that, and it, I think it suffered a little bit because of it. If, if you know, I, what I'm mean. not I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I I agree that Infinity War probably is as a film uh, in its entirety is, is probably the stronger film. Yeah, it's more. It's got more re- rewatchability about it. I think just because throughout the entire thing, you've got all these characters that are interacting with characters yeah. that have met. And there's a, there's there probably there's a lot more humour in it, but not only that. Like, I mean, when we we saw it together, didn't we? But when you sat there and you, that first scene, and when when Loki dies and Heimdall dies, you, the threat the threat is real, and we've never had that in it. Yeah, jeopardy. Yeah. So Nick Fury dies, he comes back, but like with this, it was like I've rewatched Infinity War far more times than I've rewatched Endgame, and when I have watched Endgame again, nine out of ten times, I'll just skip the first half what i found quite interesting is they only used that first half as well for the uh, trailers so no one knew what was going to actually happen as well so i mean in infinity war is probably like you said the you know the, the jeopardy was real it's probably the only time that i've i've genuinely not known what's what's going to happen mm. because yeah. i mean in endgame I know that. Don't get me wrong. It was it was such a ride, but I mean, you did sort of think, oh, well, then we might lose a couple along the way here, but the good guys are going to win." Whereas in Infinity War, I had absolutely no idea where it was going. 
And it, um, it literally kept you on your toes as well, because even when you thought Thanos had the gauntlet and then Thor came down with the hammer, you thought, oh shit, no, they've done it. And then he just <laughs> looks up, don't he? He's like, you should have gone for the head. And, and you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I think like Thanos was, Thanos was ace in that film. He was, he was so much more of a threat than any villain we'd seen so far, mm. because like you say, right from the beginning, we lose a, we lose a strong character, don't we? Mm. Um, and and Thanos is is his backstory as well, you know, it, it, like the way that it did his backstory and it gave his like clear motive and his plan for doing what he wants to do. Yeah. And then you like you almost sympathise with him in a was, sick sort of way. I was gonna say like, do you, do you like half agree with him? <laughs> like <laughs> this planet could probably half. do with what? <laughs> he's probably got out of all the villains. I don't know. Like he's got a very clear motive, it, but he is a madman. Like explaining what is going to be done is easy to understand what he's saying, but it's just daft. Well, that kind of transcends across all genres, not just superhero films. If you can make a villain that's actually compelling for the the audience and they can understand it, then you know you just create so much more emotion. And I, I think if you compare it to Endgame, Thanos is like because obviously I know we've already had his backstory, but he's just sort of a big angry brute. Really, <laughs> when we see him, in, when we see him in Endgame, he's just a big, hard, angry fella. Well, he's, he's not the same Thanos, is he? Like Shrek, exactly. Yeah, they they kind of swap it up, and he loses his backstory almost. In that now he's not just trying to wipe out half of life; he wants to get rid of all of it and just start everything again. Yeah, because yeah, obviously all... you, you're bringing a different Thanos in from a different timeline, mm. so it's not the same one that you saw in Infinity War. I, I want, it just, you know, just goes to show that um sorry job but without without that um compelling backstory and motive and planet it makes you fear him a bit less and you know how i said like i had no idea what was going to happen in infinity war mm. because i didn't have that sort of he just needs a backstory hug. Or... <laughs> but now i was just going to say the amount they think about those films though because you look at yeah like you're saying thanos in infinity war and thanos in endgame Technically, same person, but different times. But I was watching something where he wears his armour a lot more in Endgame because he learns from his mistakes in the first one in that Thor can't come at him with that hammer, so he's going to wear more of his armour. And there was something that might not be... I tried to watch the scene again, but apparently in the fight scene at the end with um, Thor, Iron Man and Cap, they're consistently trying to go for his head. Like, not <laughs> once, apparently, do they go for a leg shot or anything. They, they just go for his head. I never thought about that. Either, yeah. yeah, that's that's an interesting point. But but uh, you go back and obviously it's just a lot of people trying to hit him. But I suppose <laughs> if you look at it, one way, it might look But you know, but they have very well thought about. Obviously, I can't say I've like sat down and analysed it in such detail. No, this was just a like a like a what culture type thing that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the uh, women of Marvel shot that they do in the final fight scene? That. Honestly, in Endgame, that moment and... Also, okay, so you have Cap getting the hammer. You have all the heroes arriving again. But then that gave me goosebumps. That's the top three in there. Because that, that moment is incredible. It's Wasp when she swings in or flies in and she, like, <laughs> and she starts cocking her wrist like she's ready to go. It's fucking quality. Yeah, yeah. I quite liked it, but then there's bits of it that annoyed me. Like, what's Mantis realistically going to do? She's going to make him feel... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's not really combat ready, is she? 
and it, I liked it, but it felt forced. It felt like an exec went, we've got to get this in here. Yeah, it did feel like that. I think they could have put a little bit more effort in and maybe put some more time into kind of... Why not, though? Bring it out a little bit more. Because mm. it does feel like they just kind of thought, uh, yeah, this would be a good time just to throw all the women out there and, uh, <laughs> and show, them for, show them off for two minutes. Oh, I suppose. It'd probably be worse, though, if they were to just, oh, here are the... Let's do a, a women Avengers film. Like, that'd be more insulting, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like... Would it be like well, a female Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I struggle with uh, Captain Marvel, to be honest. I think it's just Brie Larson. Yeah. She's, she's, she's unlikable, I think. I, watched well, it once and... I just don't know what it... I just don't know what it adds. I'm glad that she had very little screen time. They wouldn't defeat Thanos without her. So it just needed that little bit extra, didn't they? They needed her. She's uh, a bit of a story breaker, though, isn't she? The, 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 only, the only thing that, the only thing that yeah. she brought to the table to beat Thanos was to bring t- uh, Stark back to Earth. And then destroy his ship. Yeah, she fires through that ship, doesn't she? Uh, it was a great moment when she turned up, though, and you kind of think, well, what are his cannons firing at? And then all it, of a sudden it's... It, it was tomorrow. obvious, though, wasn't it? Like, we weren't going to be Howard the Duck, were it? I don't know. <laughs> He's got important cameos. <laughs> Something else. Yeah. He's, he's in the final battle, isn't he? He's in the final battle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I was watching a, a YouTube video and it was it was uh, it was about the VFX in um, that final battle. It, it's actually really fascinating. I'll I'll send you a link. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they say that they put Howard the Duck in there. I think the interesting thing. I, I keep looking at things from like because I'm a project manager. I keep looking at things from like a project management perspective and uh, they were talking about how they had like multiple um, multiple effects companies uh, all contributing like little bits um, into into that scene. Um, like they'd all be working on different sections of it and managing that um, was really a really interesting process and obviously keeping continuity. And like um, there were different models of Thanos as well. So obviously they had to ma- manage that as well. It was such a fascinating thing to watch. I, I never thought about it. I'll link you to it. Going forward then from Infinity War and Endgame, do we think people are still excited for Phase 4 or do you think everybody's experiencing a little bit of a superhero fatigue? I personally think there's a little bit of a fatigue, but I think that's just because Infinity War and Endgame were they had such an impact and they were such big films mm. that we kind of need a bit of a break just to kind of reset. Um, I'll, I think I'll, I'll miss the heroes that we've, uh, that we've lost, but I think that I do, I do have confidence in them to still create fresh, fresh stuff and, mm. and new, and, and the new characters that they've introduced recently are, are good as well. Like Spider-Man's got a lot of, uh, got a, li- a lot of life left in him. And it, if they can uh, manage to get Deadpool in there as well. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'd love that. But what I think is quite interesting as well is Disney have a history of working with different age groups. And by that, I mean, look at the Toy Story series. They managed to release them so that we grew up with Andy almost. 
And if they're doing something similar, which I think they might do with the Marvel films, because they're killing off the old guard, they're getting rid of, they've got rid of Iron Man, Cap's retiring, and if they bring in these fresh Spoiled. characters, yeah, oh, sorry, it's <laughs> <laughs> only been out how long? What this um, Marvel thing are talking about? <laughs> but <laughs> do you, it does make me wonder that you know are they going to bring out these fresh characters for the new generation that are now starting to watch more of the Marvel films and just keep rotating it that way? Hmm. To be fair, what you said about Toy Story actually just that still stuck with me now because I feel like that's a really cruel thing for Pixar to do. <laughs> 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 like, we're going to get you old enough and then break your heart. Jesus. Um, Far from Home is um, that came after Endgame, didn't it? That's that was a decent film. That's the it's the only one since on it. Would Black Widow have been out by now? Uh, I think it should yeah, have been. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. She's, she, she's deserved her own film since mm. Iron Man Two, man. Do you not think it's going to be weird though watching a origin film of a character that's dead and gone, and Spoilers. there's very little chance of coming back? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. She deserves, she like, she deserves it, doesn't she? Yeah. She might finally understand what happened in Budapest. I really well. want to know oh, what happened in yeah. Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying the shit out of me. It'll be absolutely nothing now, won't it? It'll be no, so there'll, there'll be no mention of Budapest. <laughs> That's why we need a we need we need a Hawkeye film. He had this Age of Ultron is his film, man. Yeah, Ultron was Hawkeye's film. I think that's what they tried to do with that. That's not fair. Yeah, but he has a very all get their own film apart from him. He's not a very strong character, is he? Compared, he's not as interesting as Black Widow. Far from it. <laughs> he's got a bow and arrow. He's done some uh, dirty work, can he? Yeah, he can do some serious shit with that bow and arrow. Well, yeah, he and can. Sword as well, apparently. See, I'm more interested to see that film, the years in between him being Ronin. I'd see that. But yeah, I, I mean, if we're going back to whether we are experiencing a fatigue, I think we definitely are. And like you said, like Josh, like there probably is no question of whether they're going to make strong films anymore. But it's just keeping people interested because <clears throat> it's all right bringing out movies bringing out even two a year but when you start bringing three a year out and then you've got eight different tv series that link it's just it's everywhere in it and and to keep it consistent as well yeah i mean you've got um what is it falcon tv series coming out mm. uh what else is got loki's got one division yeah there's, there's been a lot of stuff to the table, aren't they? All at the same sort of time. Mm. Yeah, the, I think the the competition's getting stronger as well. If you look at like the the best superhero films over the Marvel, like Joker, if we can if we can class that, um, and then Into the Spider Verse, these are both films mm. that approach it like approach it completely differently. So I think i think that might be we might start to see a bit you know different angles of the whole thing mm. i think that's what they're trying to do with the marvel what ifs which i think is going to be very interesting here's all the things that we can't make <laughs> so we'll animate them instead well thank you for joining us james matthew to discuss our love for the mcu thank you you're me. welcome thank you for having me again everyone's made some very interesting points um again let us know if this was enjoyable let us know if you'd like to be a guest if you have any topics that you want us to cover josh is there anything you want to uh you add yeah i just want to say um thank you to everyone who's um 
give me feedback and some really really lovely comments about us mm. as first episode so thank you for that and yeah well if you've got any ideas give us a shout and we'll we'll listen to them and uh we'll give you the episodes that you want we'll give you what you want give me what i want give yeah. me what i want okay well thank you until next time uh, you've been listening to the pictures <laughs>